Welcome to Death Holler. Do you like scary movies? Welcome to Season 3. Slash or pass. There will be laughter, <laughs> tears, <laughs> tender moments. Jeez. Jeez. My special, special boy. But most of all, screams. <laughs> Remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you have a killer time. you doing <laughs> you know th like this is really like this is genuinely gonna surprise anyone listening uh but i i watched all the films that we're reviewing today like usually when we're doing a series i'm like okay i'll watch maybe one or two of them at best and so it caused me to actually have a jason Voorhees nightmare I had at least one night. I wouldn't call it. I wouldn't call it a nightmare, but I did have a night where it was just constant, like you know, scenes from the movie were playing like throughout my dream. So yeah, I wish it was that. No, this was like me and my family running from something. It was Jason, and he just obviously kept reviving himself. And it was like we can run as much as we want to. He's just gonna come back. So it was just that constant feeling of dread. No matter what, and even when nothing was happening, I was in fear of our lives. So it was pretty awesome. I can write my own movie. I probably should. It probably would have gone better than maybe not so much the ones we watch, but some of the future ones we're going to watch. Ooh, Manhattan was horrible. That did not <laughs> hold up. It, it gets bad real quick. I, I mean, even with Manhattan, but like goes that, you know, Jason goes to hell uh, some people are fans of Jason X, it's, but it's really out there too. I mean, yeah, it's the second half of this when we do it later in the year is not going to be as fun as this. That's <laughs> what I'm going to say about that. You know what was surprisingly good is the Jason, oh, the Friday, the th Friday the Thirteenth Vengeance movies that they did. Those were shockingly good. I didn't watch those, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, as far as like the fan films, if that's what you're, I think that's what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, um, I was with the budget they had and and all the writing, they were surprisingly decent. And that's probably because you watched some trash. Well, so the, you've seen some shit. Well, <laughs> the, the first Vengeance one blew, but the but the other fan films they had, like the Friday Thirteenth fan films, like Don't Hike Alone. And stuff like that. They were shockingly good, but the vengeance. Oh, they, yeah, we'll get we'll get to that. But they are they, and there's actually a new one coming out this year. Oh, yeah, so I'm I saw looking that. Forward to that. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, uh, tell us about these shoes that came in. Um, okay, so I <laughs> I I don't know that I don't think all Leica films are 
our introductions into horror. I mean, I've never seen Box Trolls or Missing Link. Have you? Um, no, but I think I'm going to watch Box Trolls here soon. I've, I've decided to get the 4K steelbook of it. I was just like, I'll just get all these that are coming out. They all look fancy. I like most of his other films. So. Yeah, because they're coming out with, didn't they, you show me the Coraline one too? Uh, Coraline and Paranorman both came out already, and then uh, Cubo and um, and Box Trolls are coming out, I believe, this month, actually. Yeah, they on... look so badass. Yeah, they did a real good job with artwork on all of those, so. Yeah, so, um, so like, uh, I mean, the kids, they, they love every, every single one of the films. Um, I want to say Box Trolls and um, Missing Link are a little bit friendlier, a little more lighter hearted and life lesson uh versus what we've gotten kind of from the other films which i guess there's always a life lesson in them regardless but there's a little more horror involved so <clears throat> for a very short period and i'm gonna say short period because i had a friend who recently wanted to go create his own shoes and they are done it was we did it in november i don't know if it was just for a few days i don't know if it was through december but uh, for $90, you could go onto Converse's, Converse by Me website and create your own Leica Converse. We are talking from top to bottom, inside and out. Everything is customizable. Color, material, which characters are on what, sayings from the films on the back of the shoe, uh, whether it has a Leica or Converse logo. Um, everything. Everything was customizable. And... Uh, the, the young one made, uh, he made his, his came in first, and Tiny Lucifina's will be in in about a week. Uh, <clears throat> they are on their way right now. They're amazing. They did an amazing job. And I'm surprised at how little I saw in terms of, I guess, advertisement of this. I don't even know how I caught the advertisement for it and how short it was. Yeah, I, I didn't even know about it. I mean, until you mentioned it, but uh, the pictures you sent uh, in the group chat were pretty cool. I mean, I got to admit, I mean, I I didn't know the the other movie that you mentioned, uh, the one, I guess, about Bigfoot or, or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But um, but I definitely, on, on the other side of the shoe, caught like the Coraline Cat, you know, some of the other ones from that movie. So Yeah, that was the multiverse of it, if you will. So it has Paranorman, uh, Coraline, um, and I guess the others as well. Again, not familiar with Box Trolls or Missing Link, but uh, the boy really likes them. So I forgot what little Lucifina put on hers. Um, <clears throat> I want to say it's probably mostly Coraline and Paranorman. But Paranorman, I think she has a Paranorman logo, logo, excuse me, I can't speak right now, in lieu of the Converse circle that's on the shoe. And I mm -hmm. think that's going to look badass, though. So. Yeah, that should be pretty cool. Yeah, and if you are if you have not watched any Leica films, being Coraline, Paranorman, Box Trolls, Missing Link, uh, I'm missing one. Oh, Cubo. Kubo. Yes, uh, we we highly recommend them here on Death Holler. So, and they will get they will be reviewed at some point. <laughs> well, Paranorman for sure should be reviewed next season. Next season, so, I yeah, mean, that, that's coming up. Yes, Paranorman is coming up next season. We I keep forgetting where we've placed Coraline, but it's there's so many different areas that Coraline could go. 
Yeah, I don't know. That one's a weird movie all the way around. I mean, it's parallel universes, other mother, which could be like a Lovecraftian mm-hmm. abyssal beast. I mean, it or a witch. I mean, she go multiple ways. Yeah. Um. And then Kubo, we would have to find a season where we do almost like um, like uh, almost like eth- ethnic lore or something like that. Um. You're better off just making a stop motion. Yeah, but there's not there's not a ton of stop motion. There's a hell of a good one Horace, that came out. There, yes. Yeah, there there's a handful of them though. I don't know that we could complete a season there's of them. There's one that just came out probably uh I think it was last year mm-hmm. that's been being worked on for like 8 years cuz funding issues and they finally put it together. And it takes forever the production. Yeah. That one's a creepy horror futuristic utopia one. Yeah, that's yeah, like he's, he's talking about Mad God by yes. Phil Tibbetts. Yeah. That's yeah. hell good. Um, and, and I don't know, would like nine fall under that? I mean, they're not super nine, horror. Yeah, nine would qualify within that season. Um, I, I mean, if you want to do a season of that, I mean, I don't know if they're technically horror, but I mean, you could go all the way back to the, you know, uh, Harryhausen, you know, films, the, you know, Clash of the Titans and all that stuff back yeah. in the day that you know, uh, got most or inspired most of these people to want to do stop motion. Yeah. Uh, Frank and weenie. <laughs> oh, wouldn't ban animals go bad. <laughs> <laughs> I always find a segue to that. No. Um, I think it's better off if we use them in seasons as a palette refresher, as you like to call them. Yeah. Which we're going to need after this episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> With something. We, we uh, really plotted out some refreshers that I think it's going to be good. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I saw a couple movies recently um, on Netflix. The Invitation is on there. That came out just this past year. I think it came out around Thanksgiving time. Um, it is basically Dracula uh, in, in modern times is, is basically what it amounts to. And uh, it's, it's, it's interesting at times. It's not, I mean, I went into it thinking it was going to be really bad because it got real bad reviews and it wasn't as terrible as I thought it was going to be, but it's, it's just, I mean, it's more of like they're trying to do like social commentary with, and then like throw in Dracula and his brides at the same time. And it's kind of, and it's not terrible, but it, it's, it's just kind of meh, you know, like when you're done with it, you're like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm fine with having seen it, but I don't know that I would ever go back and rewatch it. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Did, did you ever watch Hellhole <laughs> yet on Netflix? Uh, what was it? Hellhole. I have not watched that, no. Oh, d- that is an awesome horror movie. It was it's a, it's one of those sleeper ones that people didn't, they didn't get a lot of um, good coverage or media to kind of put it out there, but it's on Netflix. That's mm-hmm. It's hell good. I was trying to get uh, Raina to watch it, and she like, ah. I don't remember you ever asking me that. Was I, I half asleep when you were asking I asked you multiple times. I, I watch it twice now. And it's I'm like, over here like, <laughs> he's like, hey, you want to watch a film? I just put it on. No, I've asked you when you're awake. You're like, because it's right up your alley. It's like demonic. It's not, uh, that's not up my alley. That just scares the fuck out of me. It's, it's hell good. <laughs> it's a really good horror movie. I'll I'll try to check it out. There's been several that's been added recently. By the way, anybody doesn't know, uh, not that it's straight up horror, but the menu has recently been added has been added to HBO Max, so you can watch it there. And I highly recommend that movie. That that is a really good movie. And I don't think HBO Max has any uh, week subscriptions for free. So <laughs> yeah, I I got that right now. I'm gonna watch it tonight. 
uh yeah it's i highly recommend the menu uh, the other movie i watched today in the movie theater was megan uh that just came out uh, from james wan um it's the killer doll movie or killer android cyborg whatever you want to call it um stands for model three generative android is what her name stands for that's where they get megan from when sex and, dolls uh, go bad shut What's up that? he said when sex dolls go bad <laughs> Well, the way that the movie the, actually, so if Malignant is James Wan's taking a modern version of Basket Case, which it is, uh, then Megan is basically his attempt at a at a at a new child's play. And I will say this: it's it's got humor to it. It's enjoyable. Uh, it's they cut back a little bit on the the actual gore and stuff in the movie, which is kind of disappointing to get that PG thirteen rating. But um, it, it is enjoyable for its runtime, and I enjoyed it so much more than the Child's Play remake that they did with Mark Hamill as the voice for uh, Chucky. So, I mean, it's, I mean, I almost feel like it'd be good to review it around the time that we cover Child's Play this season. But, you know, it's, uh, I mean, because it, it does feel like a modern version of that series. We can absolutely do that. Um, but I don't want to go too far into it other than to say I do recommend it. Just go into it. No, because, I mean, right off the bat, it starts out with a faux commercial uh, for this toy or whatever that's not Megan. It's like the like the precursor technology to her, and it's just hilarious, and it's like it gives you the tone of the movie. It's like, I mean, there's times where she's – I got to throw this in there. There is literally a scene where she is singing to the little girl that she's supposed to be the protector of the song Titanium. And it's kind of funny because she's made out of titanium as she's singing it. But at the same time, it's, you know, that's kind of the, where this movie lies at. And it does have a rut row section. There (laughs) is a pet that is killed in this movie. I'm not okay. Not watching it. (laughs) Not going to do it. It's it's off screen, but it does happen. Can we talk briefly about the um, actress um, who plays her? She is. Oh my God. Okay. So her name's Jenna Davis. She's 18 years old. It's another of those cases like when we covered Alice, sweet Alice, because she, she does she not like look a girl. 18. And I know, <laughs> did they use CGI on her eyes? They had to have. They did CGI in a combination of practicals. They had to have, because I mean, like, she's very, she's very much got the uncanny valley look to her. Yeah. Which somebody brought that up on TikTok. I don't want to derail anything, but somebody brought the up on TikTok and and it and it and it's creepy as fuck to think about. So, if Uncanny Valley is the ability of humans to recognize things that are human like but not human, yeah, and we have that innately built into us, why do we have it innately and built into us? Like, at what point in time in our evolution did we have to recognize things that were human like but not humans? Besides, like you know, other you know, like Neanderthals and that sort of thing. Um, that's a creepy thought. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! The, this actress is—I mean, she's just she's just a woman. I mean, it is what it is. You're, you're built how you're built. She's another Jenna Ortega. They are—they're gonna do really well in Hollywood because of how they look. For now. Well, yes. If they age out and they start looking like women, they're gonna—they're gonna, they're gonna right out of Hollywood. But yeah. <laughs> until then, the, the holy yeah. shit! I cannot believe she's 18 years old. She looks like a child. It's insane. And and they do set up the end of Megan 
for a possible sequel, of course they do. So with, I yeah, mean, I mean, there's... that's kind of cool. If it's, especially if it does so well, I, I be honest with you, I haven't heard a bad thing about it yet. So, I mean, if you go into it knowing it's got some, you know, comedic elements to it, and you're okay with having just a fun movie, then that, that I mean, then you'll have a good time. It that is, I think, what destroyed me on Malignant. Whenever I reviewed that, was just the fact that they advertised it completely different. It was just like, oh, this is gonna be such a scary movie from James yeah. One, and you go in into it, and the very first scenes are cheesy, schlocky, like eighties, <laughs> you know, almost comedic yeah you know horror and it's like that is not what you advertised well i'm glad you brought that up because how was the movie in comparison to how they advertised it uh it's pretty similar because i mean you get some of the goofiness like that scene where she's doing that tiktok like dance in the hallway Mm -hmm. that is i mean that's kind of the vibe you get from this movie i mean it's got i mean it's kind of poking fun at like you know modern technology and and, but at the same time it's got a sinister edge to it i mean there's certain scenes where when she turns creepy i mean she she gets creepy i mean it's you know it's it's a good mix of both yeah and now she is an actual dancer and i saw that scene i'm surprised it's not blowing up like uh like uh janet or (laughs) wednesday yet and it probably will but we've seen this video long enough now or it's been a part of the you know um the uh, preview since they started showing, hey, we're going to have this movie. But regardless, uh, it doesn't look like she's doing a real dance. It doesn't, excuse me, she doesn't look real. She looks like a robot doing a dance, which is amazing. Yeah, they, I mean, that they did a good job of the Uncanny Valley stuff. Like the scene, they show it in the trailer where she like gets on all fours and she starts running after the kid. There's some, there's a lot of creepiness to that because it's unnatural looking, Mm -hmm. you know, for a, something that looks like her to be moving like that. Yeah, you know? that's pretty cool looking. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's got potential to kind of catch on with the TikTok stuff, and then they they have a, a a commercial that's going around on TikTok for it, where this guy, like at some ball game or something, had like seven or eight of those girls dressed like you know Megan, <laughs> yeah, like following him around. That's that's pretty good commercial. I got to give him credit. It is. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you; those girls did not look like kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, they look a little bit. They look like the sex doll version of Megan. That's what they look like. <laughs> that or well, and, and some just, of them just, just looked bloated. Just wait. Donnie G is going to have a movie to review before too much longer. Whenever somebody makes the inevitable porn parody of Megan, you, oh, you can guarantee God. it's going to happen. <laughs> Fucking shit. Hey, where is he anyways? I heard he had to take his wife out on a a little birthday trip tonight because uh, she's still upset about what she heard about video smash up. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, he's he's still trying to smooth that over. So it might be a little bit longer before we actually get any word from him or any more reviews. <laughs> we can <laughs> confirm he is okay, as far as we know. <laughs> Did you happen to see that preview for the the new Evil Dead? Uh, I have not watched it because I saw the. Uh, the advertisements have done as far as like the, the pictures and stuff on the social media, but I've heard that it, that the trailer itself gives away a lot. And it's one of those top trailers where it, it, it like that it gives a lot of the, you know, or a lot of the scares away, or it looks like it does. And I don't, I mean, I'd rather go into that cold. I mean, as far as like not knowing any of that stuff, I do know the setup. It's like, there's a mother that's read the Necronomicon or somebody has, and then like her two children are having to have to deal with that. And it's in a high rise building. So well, someone recorded a, so the, the, there's a, there's a little uh, part in the trailer where someone had recorded it onto a vinyl. So oh, I, that's great. Yeah. 
It, it The trailer looked hella good. Yeah, like, and you know what? Going with what you said, though, Reverend, I do agree with you that now that I think about it, I didn't think about this when I was watching it because the trailer is amazing. Um, it looks and sounds disgusting. So that's all I'm going to say. But that being said, <clears throat> it is possible that all the best scenes have been given away in this. It's not going to leave much. A lot of jump scares were in this preview, so I, mean, I want to know how much more they possibly have, but I'm still going to watch it. I mean, Smile technically did that, but it still executed a movie. Mm, Smile, Smile did that with one, for sure. Uh, there was a couple. But it was still... There, there was a couple, but Smile actually pulled it off. I yes. was surprised by Smile. I, I, I think there was <laughs> way more to it than what their jump scares were, so hopefully that's the case with this uh, film. Um, a lot of tension would be awesome because it looks like it's... Um, a lot of action and obviously tension will get us. I thought the idea of the mother turning sour was a hell of a good idea because if they do a good job of building the relationship of the mom and the kids and then she goes sour, that's going to be epic. Oh, yeah. And how the kids handle it. Yeah, it's more like a pet and cemetery who survives vibe. It? There's a daughter, so we may have a final girl. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 Actually, there's a daughter and a sister. And a son. And a son, yeah, but we don't we don't care about the guys. They're I not know, final girls. But, but they're in an apartment, so there's a lot more bodies to pull from too. That's so true. you don't know how many uh, deaths they're gonna be. Or undeaths. See, there is a lot of uh internet chatter going around about uh Evil Dead Rise that people are pissed off because Bruce Campbell's not gonna be in it, or at least he says he's not, and he's just producing it and you know, they want Ash back, but <laughs> no I mean <laughs> I think we can have a parallel version of Evil Dead where, like, somebody else takes over the mantle of Ash and maybe and maybe they play it more straight, you know, like straight horror than they do, like, the, the goofiness that yeah. he kind of went with. More like I mean, the first I, I one. I love that stuff, but there's room for it. Yeah, I, I concur. Yeah, if they got more back, like, like the remake and then, like, the first Evil Dead, if they hit more of those tones where the pace is just surreal the whole time, then I think it'll be executed good. Did you watch yeah, it? Go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I you know I don't I don't get the hate. I mean, I think people are just. I mean, he he came back and he did the series. I mean, and I feel like that was a good send off for the character if he's not gonna come back and do it. So I mean, we we got more than what we actually deserved with Ash. So uh, I'm fine if they continued a different way. Yeah. Did you happen to watch the trailer for Renfield? Yes. yes. That looks <laughs> hella good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a lot of back and forth on that one too. I've heard so many people that kind of echo me that are like my thoughts that I, I really want to see it. It's almost <laughs> like you take warm bodies, like which Nicholas Holtz in both of them, but you kind of take that vibe, but then throw the Nicholas Cage of it all in there. And then that's kind of what you're getting with Renfield. And then other people are like, this looks cheesy as hell. I'm like, it's supposed to be guys. Yeah. I don't know what you want from this movie. That's what it's supposed to I'm be. I'm so like. excited. It looks cheesy. It looks loreful. It looks action packed. And my favorite part of the preview was when the, the when the almost like the uh, AA guy was like, come on in. And he was like, no. Yeah. And you invited him in. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 really I, like I think uh, a lot of people is want to bitch to bitch a lot of times too. So it's, it's well, hard. Well, the problem with horror fans is that they don't, they, it's always like the, it, the movies are good in retrospect. Like they bitch and bitch like the, the remake for uh, evil dead, like the, the one that came out years ago, everybody at the time was bashing it. Ash is not in it. Fuck this movie, blah, blah, blah. Now everybody talks about it. It's like, it's one of the greatest remakes ever. And it's like, yeah, 
And if any, if you'd paid attention when it came out, you would have noticed that dumbass. I you, mean, you know what horror like, fans are sometimes? <laughs> They're like Final, Final Fantasy fanboys. Unless it has all the same mechanics and same characters. Oh, I fucking know. Well, this, this is a totally different game. I was like, yeah, that's what happens. Shit you, moves on. You all have to be optimal horror fans like us. <laughs> Just acknowledge I mean, when it when when a remake is good or not. This there's nothing wrong with saying they did a good job with it. It's not supposed yeah. to be the same movie. Well, it's just, it kills me because, like, there was that entire first part of the 2000s where every movie that came out, and there was a lot of good movies that came out. I mean, that was a good time for horror. And, like, so many of them were shit upon by, like, the horror fans. It's like, I want the stuff from the 80s back or the late 90s. And it's like, okay, well, this, and now they're like, yeah, all those movies from the early 2000s are great. And it's like, but now the, the but 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 now all of the ones coming out are shitty. It's like no guys, they're good too. You're just not giving them credit. You yeah, know? it's a boomer mentality. It was so much better <laughs> back in my days. Like, calm down, fucking pump the brakes, dude. Yeah, it's it's just that nostalgia, and it, it just kills me. It's like I mean, appreciate it as you go. I mean, there you can go back and appreciate things you didn't from the start. Like when we covered Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the you know the remake. I didn't initially, you know, get into it whenever it came back out back in the day and we rewatched it and I do appreciate it now more than I did. But I mean, I tried to enjoy movies at that time as I went through and there were several that I did enjoy in that time period. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, um, I mean, these people that hate on every single one coming out, I just don't understand it. And that's our thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's get this party started. Let's open the doors up and, and kick this thing off. Oh, we'll let them in. everyone and welcome back to death holler i'm your host and camp counselor the reverend dr death and joining me as always is one psychotic mother la urena do you hunt for your children in a blue cardigan urena mm, no but if i need to be kept warm i will find the cardigan of an old corpse and throw it on you know <laughs> just for that cozy feeling. that is an effective maneuver yes i, I will grant you that yes well it's a new year, and all the superstitions that go along with it are on full display. Uh, people eating certain foods for good luck, singing old Lang Syne to welcome in the new year, etc. Unfortunately for those folks, we have a Friday the 13th just around the corner. One of two this year, in fact. And as everyone knows, Friday the 13th is his day. You know that little mongoloid bastard with a face only a mother could love? Hey, you don't have to, you don't have to, have to call my son that. That's kind of rude. <laughs> yes this episode we will be celebrating jason Voorhees in the most prolific slasher series in horror history specifically we will be covering half of the movies and what some myself included may consider the best the original 1980 classic all the way up to jason lives so grab a seat by the campfire put away any and all drugs and cozy up to your best guy or gal but not too close and listen in as we cover Friday the 13th, 1 through 6. And keep your goddamn panties on. <laughs> yeah, especially those brown panties you have to search for <laughs> in the car. 
<laughs> Gross. <laughs> you know what? Back in the day, they probably thought those things were so yeah, super fucking sexy. hot. <laughs> remember her in those brown undies? No. No. <laughs> I don't want to remember. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, and we would appreciate it if you could take the time to like, comment, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. Also, consider following us on social media. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter <clears throat> under Death Holler Pod, and we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. I just want to point out before you attack the bees, because that's where okay. you were going. We are trending right now in Denmark again. <laughs> I, I did see that. Yes. We're in the top 200s. Woo! Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What, uh, didn't you say there was another, like, was it Taiwan? Ta- or Thailand. <laughs> I forgot. Thailand. Yeah, hold on. Um, okay, so uh, hung, hung, how do you pronounce it? Hungary? Hungary? <laughs> hungary, yeah. Damn, we're hungry. We're on the top 100 in Hungary. Okay. It, on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Kyrgyzstan, we're number 19. Number one. This is very nice. And that's on TV <laughs> and film. And on film reviews, we are currently number six. In Kyrgyzstan. Who this is all on nice. Apple Podcasts. This Who is so funny. fucking <laughs> loves you? Uh, the Kyrgyzstans, apparently. <laughs> Kyrgyzstanians, Estonians, I don't want to be disrespectful. Uh, we are also trending in Thailand, but I am not sure what spot because I lost. Uh, the lady boys love you guys there. Hey, we do not. We don't disrespect, okay? Don't discriminate. Mm, Sweden. Oh, we got we got aged out of Sweden. Okay, uh, we are number 186 in Taiwan. Excuse me. I would, You were correct. Come on, 187. We're shooting for that. <laughs> we actually dropped four places, so if we keep dropping, we will eventually, yes, we probably are past 187, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everyone. We love you. And now, time to attack the bees. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast. Not the beast. Ah, That's almost what I was saying after I watched this movie. Um, <laughs> uh, since it was a new year, figured I'd just cover the slasher that goes best with that. There's actually a couple. You can watch Terror Train, which I think is extremely slow, but it has Jamie Lee Curtis in it, so there's that. But I decided to watch uh, New Year's Evil from 1980, directed by Emmett Alston, uh, written by Leonard Neubauer, uh, who did the screenplay, and Emmett Alston, who did the story. Principal players, we have Roz Kelly playing Diane Blaze Sullivan, who is a punk rock icon. Kip Niven uh, playing Evil, who is the psycho who is killing the naughty women in the movie. Naughty. Punish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he goes around punishing women. Uh, Grant Kramer, who plays Derek Sullivan, which is Blaze's estranged adult son and has some significant mental issues, to say the least. And Chris Wallace, who's playing Lieutenant Clayton, who's the officer in charge of finding out who is making the calls in the Blaze's show. And then Alicia Danifu, who plays uh, Yvonne, uh, who is uh, Blaze's assistant and killed within the first few minutes of the film. All right. Uh, synopsis, as Blaze gets ready to put on a New Year's punk rock show called New Year's Evil, which is a party to get all of your evil out before you make your resolutions, uh, Killer calls into the show. This psycho, going by the name Evil and using a voice modulator, threatens to kill a naughty woman every time the clock strikes midnight in a different U.S. time zone. 
charming his way through several different venues and finding the loosest women possible. Evil <laughs> plays a cat and mouse game with the police as he works his way towards the hotel where Blaze is putting on her show. Hoes get stabbed, bikers get pissed, and punk rockers dance like they are zombies in search of brains. If you hear the theme song once, you'll hear it fucking three more times at least. <laughs> they got one good song. The theme song's actually catchy, but they got it, they got it, and then they were like, fuck, we, we don't have money for anything else. Just play that motherfucking thing like throughout the whole entire movie, and that's what they do. So. We only had money for this copyright song. <laughs> you got so it, flaunt it. More, they get one more song in the movie and that's it. Like one more. And there's, it's supposed to be like a new year's rock and Eve. Like they used to put on, you know, back in the day. And like, there's literally two songs in the movie. Wait, that's like house of the devil where they, they almost had two songs, except they did their own Kmart version or wish version of moving in stereo. And then they had one good 80 song. And then after that, it went downhill real fast. <laughs> yeah. But one song, um, but you can make a solid scary movie with this one soundtrack. I give you two examples right off the bat. Halloween and Friday the 13th. Just one soundtrack. Well, that's true, um, but w it's different when it's an orchestral theme, <laughs> yeah. which they had in this, versus, you know, like an actual song that somebody does, yeah, and it just gets repeated over and over and over again. Yeah, because you're only going to hear these, you know, the soundtracks for Friday the 13th and Halloween on Halloween versus some of the songs these people are trying to put out are songs that are supposed to be, that they're trying to make hits or use as hits that you're supposed to play every day given the time zone or time, excuse me, time, timeline when it was. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not disagreeing, but I can't fully agree. The funny thing about that is, is that the, I, I think they might have seen, or if, if they did, it was a quick turnaround, but whatever. I think that there was some cross-pollination with Friday the 13th, the original movie, because this has, like, partway through it, when the killer is, like, stalking some of his victims, you hear a, <laughs> like, in the background. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious, and oh I heard it, and I was God. like, well, fuck, that just ties right in. <laughs> um, body count in this is seven people. You got Yvonne at the beginning. You get Nurse Jane, and man, she's loose. Like she meets the this, uh, you know, quote unquote hunky doctor, and just decides to bang him right then and there. I mean, I know it's New Year's, but you know, keep your pants, Nurse Jane. Was she hot? Uh, she wasn't bad looking for that time period. Um, uh, we got Sally who gets a plastic bag over her head. Uh, Lisa who's dragged into a dumpster and stabbed. Uh, a biker is stabbed at a drive-in. Uh, and the killer commits suicide by jumping off a building, and then at the end of it, there's an ambulance driver dead in the cheap final sequence. Hmm. Um, it's kind of funny. There's there was a scene right before he stabs the biker. He's dressed up like as a priest because the killer in this movie dresses up in like different costumes in each little venue he's at to kind of like throw people off of his tracks. And uh, dressed up as a priest, the biker runs up to him, and he's trying to like get the bike because he what's happened at this point in the movie is he's ran into the bike he's been looking at like the picture of some woman that he's gonna or, or i think that he's gonna kill and like he's not paying attention to the road he runs into these bikers by accident and they get pissed off at him and they chase him to a drive-in and he leaves his car and he's trying to run away and one of them catches him and they see him dressed up like that and he walks up to him and he's like i'm a man of god not a man of violence and then like he just pulls out a knife and stabs the guy <laughs> 
<laughs> before Jack in some car with this kid already in it who's making out with a teenage girl, and then he he basically kidnaps the girl uh, with the car and you know and steals the car at the same time. <laughs> um, it's kind of funny though. The movie has. Uh, the killers, like, I mean, most of these movies, these slashers, the killers are just these hulking brutes that, like, don't say anything. But this guy's like Ted Bundy. Like, he, I mean, he sweet talks everybody he tries to kill. And that's that's how he gets them, like, away from the general populace so he can do what he needs to do with them. Um, but the other funny thing about it is that unlike the police in most other movies, the police in this are actually semi-competent. And that teenage girl that gets kidnapped uh, they actually, because he almost runs over a couple of, uh, you know, New Year's Eve uh, revelers, you know, out on the street, you know, he, uh, those guys call the cops and the cops come in and they actually save that teenage girl before he's able to kill her. Um, so they, they actually do kind of do their job in this movie. What? <laughs> Uh, the killer's mo in this is that he feels cucked, <laughs> and that the women are uh, and that women are immoral and deceitful. Uh, he feels his wife has castrated him, and that his son is going down the same path. Uh, spoiler alert for anybody who doesn't know: evil is it actually uh, Diane Blaze's ex-husband, uh, or actually her? I guess her husband. She doesn't say he's technically her ex. Uh -huh. <laughs> So he's going around killing people while she's trying to put on a show because he feels like where she's famous that she's kind of like, you know, took his balls from him and that he, that's his way of like manning up for his son. It's, it's one way to do it, I guess. Yeah. It sounds like <laughs> it's weird because it doesn't really sound like most killers MO, but when you hear like, I always joke about this, when you hear like, uh, see those things on cheaters where guys get caught and they just like turn around and blame it on somebody else. Like, yeah. I can't believe you would do this. <laughs> like, it, it's almost, well, she did this to me. It's like, well, but homie, you're killing random women. Like, calm down. <laughs> He's just trying to be a good person. He can't help it. Uh, when I say that the, the punk rockers at her, uh, event, uh, dance like zombies, whenever I've seen that synopsis, I'm not lying. Like it shows like little interspersed scenes of like the punk rockers at her new year's Eve event. They're like rocking back and forth, uh, more than the, the, you know, you know, that scene and the scenes in Shaun of the dead where the people are supposed to be acting like zombies before they ever turn. And they're just kind of going through life and they're kind of just, you know, like swaying side to side and just doing their thing. That's how these guys are dancing. They're supposed to be punk rockers. I'm like, I don't, you must have took some heroin before you came to this party. I don't know what's going on. Uh, wait a second. Are they anything like the, like Wednesday said, emos like dance like this. So she was, was she watching this video when she made her dance is what I'm getting to. She, uh, she, if she was imitating them, then they would have had to take in some cocaine and some meth to get on her level. Is okay. all I'm going to say. That's how slow they were. I mean, she's just a pretty young girl. So she, she really sold it is what I'm saying. But like, there was a couple of times I'm like, what kind of crackhead dance is this? <laughs> yeah they're they're basically just bobbing side to side and then they're like bumping into each other that's like their whole yeah. dance so, Alrighty. you know um nick cage rating for this one i'm gonna give it season of the witch i mean it it has a decent premise and actually i think this could make a decent movie if somebody was to remake it because i do like the the guy who plays the the killer in this one actually does a pretty good job of selling the charismatic killer and I like that twist on everything. It's just that the movie is like cheap and it doesn't execute, you know, what it's supposed to just like season of the witch. So, um, 
unfortunately it's it's a miss i mean i mean it, it's entertaining enough i didn't hate it but at the same time it was just whenever i was done i was like okay i'm ready to move on to you know friday the 13th <laughs> yeah, i'm over i need to re- i need to uh, do a palate cleanser with friday the 13th <laughs> <laughs> which uh speaking of that let's just get right into that um friday the 13th uh let's start out with the original from 1980 tagline of this movie was they were warned they are doomed and on friday the 13th nothing will save them directed by sean s cunningham uh written by victor miller and ron kurz uncredited uh music by harry manfredini which he does all these i'm just not going to read his name for the rest of this because uh, maybe for the second half but like manfredini like did the music for all this stuff uh, made for a budget of five hundred fifty thousand U.S., it made fifty nine point eight million dollars. Wow! <laughs> there, there's a reason why they kept making these. <laughs> I mean, like, really though? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Didn't seem like it was going to go far. <laughs> well, if you listen to the some of the cast, I mean, that's what they would have told you they didn't expect it to. Yeah. Um, Adrian King plays Alice Hardy, the final girl. We have Betsy Palmer who whoa, plays whoa, Mrs. Whoa, 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 Spoiler alert. Don't be calling out the final girls. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like these movies are not like ancient at this point. I mean, <laughs> it's like, what, 43 years old at this point or 42? No, <laughs> shut up. We're not talking about that. <laughs> I hate to say that because, I mean, given when I was born, I was born when the next and the second movie was made. <laughs> so now I'm going to have to, you know, age myself, but... Oh, it hurts. It hurts so bad. Uh, Betsy Palmer playing Mrs. Pamela Voorhees, who doesn't technically get the name Pamela until I think the fourth movie. Um, She is obviously the killer in this. There's your spoiler alert for the movie. It is just like Scream said, it is not Jason in the first movie. (laughs) And Um, then somebody gets stabbed over that answer. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's uh, Drew Barrymore that gets stabbed over that. Um, Betsy Palmer is one of those people that didn't think this movie was going to do shit. She agreed to do it, and she's like, ah, fuck. I just, she actually hated this movie she said, when she was filming it. She's like, this movie's pure fucking trash, but nobody's going to watch it, so who cares? <laughs> Boy, was she wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Way to be a cunt, Betsy. Uh, Ari Lehman plays uh, Jason Voorhees, the mongoloid lake bastard um, that's at the end of the movie in the dream sequence, or is it? Uh, well, which do you? Okay. Well, maybe this is a discussion for later, and you don't have to answer. You could say, you know what, let's talk about it at the end. But do you think he's worthy of all the credits that all the guys who play Jason Voorhees gets? Um, no. Okay, thank you, because I feel the same way. We do have a signed uh, Jason mask by him, and I, then I realized, I was like, well, I mean, I don't mind having it. I'm not upset. But I'm like, oh, oh, he was that Jason? <laughs> Here's the thing. Ari Lehman can be proud that he was in the movies. I don't take that away from him at all. Absolutely. But he totally, especially at conventions, he way overplays his role in this series. Yes, he does. I I thought he was like in almost all of them. I was like, oh, well, I guess technically he was because they go to so many flashbacks. They keep showing that scene over and over and over again. But sorry, sir, you did not have the mask and you did not have the... uh, the uh, machete and why are you signing masks you <laughs> yeah. should be signing no diapers he had no mask i mean he yeah. was just the kid version yeah which do we want to have the discussion right now of why he was the child version of jason even though the time period which I'm, i'll get to the timeline here shortly but the timeline would have had him about like 20 to 30 years old 
let's. What did I say <laughs> when we were watching the movie? The first movie. <laughs> the second one. No, we're talking about the first one. I understand that, but what did I say? Yeah, that's. The, I, I mean, my husband was saying that, and maybe I wasn't computing properly. <laughs> um, I don't think we should have this discuss. Eh, I cannot word Jason today. Jason is built like a brick shit house. And I'm aware. Like I have plenty of photos. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. It's like, I don't know. Okay. I like the movie. Let's save it because let's get through the people and then we can okay. start discussing. Uh, <clears throat> we have Harry Crosby playing Bill Brown, uh, the good guy that likes Alice. And, and just, I mean, I'm going to skip to a little bit of trivia, but Harry Crosby, he is Bing Crosby's son. Oh, wow. Um, and sadly, he had just lost his father right before filming this. So wow. So Bing had just passed right before he made this movie. Damn. Uh, we have Kevin Bacon. I don't know who the fuck that guy Never is. Never heard um, of him. Saved the entire Braille. country with dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this one little one little guy that go on and do some uh, dancing movie that would just blow up and make his career for him. Like a year or two later, um, Jack Braille, who's the horny dope smoking counselor. <laughs> That's all you can say about <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, yeah. That was a little creepy interaction with that, li- that girl. No, 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 no. He's talking about Kevin Bacon. He's not talking oh. about the, the director. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. We'll uh, we'll get to some of that stuff. <laughs> uh, Mark Nelson, who plays Ned Rubenstein, uh, the goofball who's cracking jokes. Um, the goofballs always die in these movies, just heads up. Um, Laurie Bertram, or Bartram, who plays Brenda Jones, Alice's kind of naughty friend, who suggests the strip poker, if I remember right. Um, Robbie Morgan, who plays Annie Phillips, who's one of the dumbest fucking women I've ever <laughs> seen in a movie. It's I'm just, hey, I, I don't care who I get in the car with. I'm going to camp. Yes. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck, dude? Well, technically, in her defense, it was a woman picking her up. So the chances that of true. this lady being a complete okay. psychopath. That is yeah. 100% true. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Peter Brower playing Steve Christie, who's the one that you were talking about, who's the owner of the camp and the creepy older guy that hits on Alice. Um, yeah, gross. Uh, Rex Everhart playing Enos, the truck driver, uh, the no nonsense guy trying to warn Annie to stay the fuck away from the camp, but I'm sorry. What was his name? Enos. Enos. Okay. I thought you said (laughs) Anus. No, I said they anus. Cut that, I made yeah. sure to say E. They cut that part from the movie. He's like, you know what they call me around here? Oh, God. They call me anus because I'm the penis. Grody. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can't we can't not speak about Walt Gorney, who plays Crazy Ralph, <laughs> who is the most doomed prophet to ever prophesize a doom. So <laughs> He's the doomiest profiter of doom ever. Well, not only that, but Enos <laughs> even says that about him. He's like, get out of here, goddamn Doom Prophet. Yeah, he, he, oh, <laughs> he yeah, calls like, him straight up. Yeah, we were like, oh, okay, well, that's the Doom Prophet. <laughs> no notes needed. Uh, timeline. Let's just set this up for people so they know what I was meaning earlier about, you know, Jason being a kid at the wrong time. So June 13th, 1946, 46, Jason Voorhees is born. Was it a Friday? Uh <laughs> Uh, it was a Friday, okay. according to the, the wiki. Sometime in summer of 57, when he was 11 years old, Pamela Voorhees gets a job at the Camp Crystal Lake uh, working in the kitchen and uh, because she's a friend of the Christie's that own the camp. 
unfortunately, on June 13th, 1957, Jason drowns because but and because his camp counselors were too busy fucking and they didn't notice that he was out there and couldn't swim. Hold on, stop the show. Stop the show for a minute. <laughs> It wasn't because he was a retard out there swimming by himself. June 13th. He was born on June 13th? Yeah. Uh, was a Thursday. We have been lied to, everyone. Uh, uh, was it 12 <laughs> o'clock at night? Well, then that would have been, like, if, if it was 13th and it was midnight, that technically would have been the 14th. Okay. Good call. He, he entered the twilight zone. <laughs> So, I just want everyone to I know mean, we've been lied to. There, well, however you want to go with it. Um, but we find out later in, in other movies that he, no body was found. They don't say that in this movie that I remember, but technically no body was found even though he was supposedly drowned. Oh, well, yeah. Then However, <laughs> the day that he drowned, later that <laughs> night, Pamela Voorhees kills two camp counselors that had been that should have been watching her boy, and but but nobody knows her the identity to kill her, and so they just closed the camp. And then that's the end of it. You know what? So that's in that's in fifty seven, mind you. Okay, so hold on, hold on. what's stay in the fifty seven time frame? Because I have a big conundrum that I was telling the old lady. Do, do you do you remember the the shorts that girl was wearing when she got murdered? <laughs> it was like the the short shorts of the seventies. Yeah, there's no <laughs> way in the fifties. That was going to be worn. Well, yeah, my end was funny because my hubby was like, "Well, they didn't even wear shorts, and they indeed did wear shorts, but probably nah, shorts that went down to your that, ankles. Not that way. No, not <laughs> at a camp. Maybe in a city. Maybe no, no, no. Down it a... was specifically for outdoor activities. The only reason they were allowed to wear shorts back in the day, but, uh, but they I, were not that short. Yeah, like she had like a little bit more of a pull. There was gonna be some camel toe action, and she had no pointy boobs. That was awkward. Like they were nice and round. Yeah, they. Uh, those are the shorts that women back in the '70s wore. That basically, I mean, uh, you, you one little move and the ass cheek was flopping out of them. I mean, it was. Yeah, they, they were pretty short. So at this point, we have gone from 1946 when Jason was born, and now we're at 1957 where he's supposed to be 11. Correct. Yes. Okay. And that's when he technically died. And that's the age that he's supposed to be, or that you would think that he would have been in that dream sequence that Alice has. Okay. Yes. Skip ahead to April or July 13th because there's technically, it wasn't in June again because June didn't have it uh, Friday the 13th mm -hmm. in 79. Uh, April or July 13th, 1979 is when Steve Christie attempts to renovate the camp and open it back up. So our movie takes place in 79. Uh, Pamela Voorhees goes on her killing spree and murders Steve along with six camp counselors before being decapitated by Alice Hardy. You, do you know what they glossed then, over? No, because this is critical. Because that place was known as Camp Death, and it and it had had been that camp had tried to been restarted multiple times prior to that guy doing that. Mm -hmm. So that means there had to been some funky stuff happening every time it's been restarted. And, that or just nobody yeah. would give it the time of day. I I think it tried well, to be. Go ahead. I think the I think the lore is is that Mrs. Voorhees ran people off every time they tried to start it up again. It's oh. just that, that Steve finally attempted to do it himself. Like he it was other people, and he's just like fuck it, I'm going to do it because it's our family camp, you know. Yeah, uh, I think he was more had the mindset there's going to be some young wussy. Well, here. I got to get to. He was trying girls, to get Alice's so. pants pretty hard. I can <laughs> confirm that uh, July 13th was really a Friday in 1979. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> and then that Saturday, 
uh, July 14th or April 14th, however you want to go with it, uh, Alice is found floating in a canoe on Camp Crystal Lake, and she states she was attacked by 11-year-old Jason Voorhees, but no one found any trace of the boy. That's your conundrum right there, because... If she was attacked actually by Jason and they and they and they set it up that way that it was supposed to have been him, big time difference when he was eleven and fifty seven and then seventy nine. I mean, you know, true, uh, true. So how old at this point? Okay, so eleven during uh, at fifty seven. Oh, yeah. and seventy nine is a huge difference. <laughs> oh yeah, we're talking about in the thirties, right? Yeah, he would have been in his thirties by okay, that point. Okay, and yeah, and that at. At oldest, Ari Lehman looked like he could have been upper teens. Yeah, maybe he was, early yeah, adulthood. He was, the he was around twelve ish when he did that. But yeah. now, could she? Is it possible? This is me, my dumb explanation of explaining it away. She never. She didn't see him. We saw him. She only knows in her head what she thinks she knows is that there's a little boy that's still alive. You know, or she's, you know, if something weird is happening, she, it could have been a crazy moment. She got attacked by somebody, no doubt, but did she actually see him? He was from behind. The only, the only thing you can argue is that due to her traumatic experience, mm-hmm. she, she, she was attacked by Jason, but she, but her mind misremembered what he looked like yeah. and created that, that image. I mean, and he looks, he's, he looks fucked up in the face. That's probably if she did see him. That's probably all she saw. Yeah, I got a thought experiment. What if Jason was just sexually repressed, and from watching all the young girls get action, and then he just went on a murderous rampage? We'll have to discuss that after we get to the discussion. You and, <laughs> and I had a discussion. That's why he murdered everybody that had sex first. <laughs> okay, you hold, die first. <laughs> hold on, save that for later, because you and I had a discussion about the movie, and I think it's worth bringing up in the podcast. So when we get into more discussions, let's get out of the timeline. Okay, we're out of the timeline. The oh, body okay. count for this movie. <laughs> body count. Ten people die in this film. Bug, that's a good body count. That's a nice even number. It's solid. Yeah. It gets the point across. The male and female male and female counselor at the beginning. Uh Annie gets her throat cut. Ned gets his throat cut. Uh Jack gets that arrow from below the bed that causes <laughs> all the blood to shoot up. Uh Marcy gets the axe to the head in the bathroom. Brenda is killed at the archery range. Uh, Steve recognized the killer, uh, but but he's stabbed by her. Uh, Bill is shot full of arrows while fixing the generator. And then Mrs. Voorhees has got uh, her head chopped off by, with a machete a by the final girl. Doesn't the cop die, too? I thought the cop died. I don't uh, remember. That's the only died. ones that I, that I uh, okay. saw in the film. Might be wrong, then. Okay. There's a lot of cops that die. Part two, I think, has one that dies. Yeah. Uh, quotes. I'll randomly, if there's any good ones, throw them in here. Or I noticed if you all have any, but the one that stood out is the one that prompted the mama, and that's the killer mommy killer. You know that Pamela is saying as she's chasing after Alice toward the end of the movie. Wait a second, is Kiki Ki Mama Ma Jason having a voice or speech impediment? And stuttering, that's dirty. <laughs> it's it's literally Harry Manfredini. He saw that line, killer mommy killer, and he liked the line so much that he went and whispered, Ki-ki-ki, but you hasn't know. turned it into a because that's what people say now. Uh, well, that's just people mishearing it because mm, okay. he clearly says it, it's the key in the ma from killer mommy. 
<laughs> Killer mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. How much do you want to discuss about the movies of these? Because, I mean, they're all kind of similar. I mean, the story's the same. People go to camp. They try to fuck, do some drugs. They die. I mean, like, there's not a whole lot you could say about them. There's not I mean, a, the, yeah. There's not a lot to get into in terms of that. Maybe some key moments that we remember. But something I wanted to bring up that, that I told Noah to wait for the discussion is that we were wondering, well, I guess this it doesn't count for this movie. It kind of counts for the next movies, whether or not he was Jason Voorhees. Now, this is... Mrs. Voorhees. I don't want to dilute the fact that she is the killer in this film, but she is also the catalyst for Jason Voorhees. What turns him... Raina was trying to tell me that Jason was a ghost when we were watching the second one. I was like... No, I didn't. You were trying to, like... like That's what it was. Like, he was demonically possessed or whatever. You were trying to tell that. And I was like, okay, why why would a demonic possession go build a fort in the middle of the woods? Wait, I didn't say that for the first one because I knew it was Mrs. Voorhees. The second one. Oh, okay, okay. We're not there yet. So the ghost theory um, or the ghost notion, to my understanding, the Never Hike Alone fan films, fan films are based off of the fact or the theory that Jason is a ghost in those. So, I mean, or, you know, like he's got a ghost like presence. Um, The. I would argue we're a ways from it, but I think in Jason six, the argument by the director in that one is that Jason died in that lake. And that's the reason that he has to be taken back to that lake because the way that you dispose of a ghost is to take it back to its you know place that it died, at least in that movie. And so if now Jason, you know, clearly is alive at some point in the future in the series. So the mm-hmm. only thing that I can, you know, <clears throat> think of in my head, the head cannon on this, is that Jason did technically die. He was dead for a few minutes and then somehow was resuscitated at some point, you know, by however that happened and then came back and then lived in the woods basically at that point. Let's discuss Mrs. Voorhees as the, as the killer. Is this genius or not? I think it was hella good. It's it's a real good idea, and, and the uh, this is skipping ahead to the trivia just a slight bit, but uh, Victor Miller said that he was unconsciously reversing Psycho by doing that. Oh yeah, because <laughs> he was having you know it was the you know the mother getting revenge for the son you know that sort of thing. You know what I kept thinking about when I was watching this was that uh that Italian slasher. Those two Italian slashers we watched. Gelatos. Just gelatos. <laughs> and I was just thinking, like, talk about nailing the execution of a, the template they kind of set up and then taking that and running with it and, like, just turning into a, a, a really, really good horror movie. And I was thinking, like, it's just, you can see a lot of the undertones to a degree, but the execution was just through the roof on this. Yeah, they, they really did a good job of, I mean, and of. St- Technically taking other stuff and stealing it. I mean, this is also trivia, but Sean S. Cunningham straight up admits he saw Halloween in 1978 and said, I'm fucking making that movie. And he fucking stole. He made Friday the 13th based upon Halloween. And he'll admit that. He says that straight up. And I've always found the Friday the 13th series way better than Halloween. Because Halloween, it's too much rehashing the, the same not not so much the killer, but like the cast, like something about rehashing Jamie Lee Curtis over and over it was just it it becomes it well it's kind of their thing and I I think that I think that fans like I think that's cool for that series as long as nobody else is taking it because then it's like yes it is gets to be too much sometimes it's a bit too much for Halloween that's fine 
I do like how in the Jason series, uh, we'll go back to Pamela Voorhees. As I guess we don't, there's not too much to say as her as a killer, but uh, I did like how there was a copycat killer in one of the films, and I'm sure we'll get to that when we discuss that film very shortly. <clears throat> um, I what I like about the series, and this goes back to setting up, is is the storyline that they, even though they were patching this thing together with you know like just you know the the thinnest of you know veneers just to you know to get a story that kind of matched <clears> up they they succeeded like I, it, it, yeah you know it just luck came together for them because you have you know like Pamela's the the killer in the first one has a good reason why she did it you know or at least in her mind and I yeah. mean the way the movie presents it and then you know then they when they bring Jason back you know and then have him the killer it's like they start their own mythology about him and then when they, and then they go so far as to kill him and then bring him back and it just works. Like they, they, they went there. They're like, what can we do next? And instead of like you said, instead of like Halloween where they stuck to it and it's like, Oh, we can't do that. That's going too far. They were like, no, fuck it. We're going there mm -hmm. and we're going to make it work. And yeah. they did. Yeah. I, I feel like Friday 13th gives them more flexibility to generate a movie instead of constraining it so much. Um, I want to say about the storyline is that not only did they have a storyline that worked, they had a storyline that took off and they reused it and it still worked. People still came to see the movies and are still coming to watch the movies. Oh yeah. That, it, and, and so much so that those fan films are becoming like popular because people are starving for this to come back. Yeah. And not only that, when they took him out of his comfort zone aka the city people hated that or when he went to hell you know and i wouldn't say hated but it wasn't as enjoyable as when it's like look at these fucking idiots going to this area that they know is cursed you know <laughs> i think that's the reason those fan films work so well is because uh i mean i, I hate to discuss it this early but i mean it really plays into this they take the concept that camp crystal lake has totally been marked off nobody's allowed to go there it's basically a ghost ghost town or ghost camp or whatever at that point mm -hmm. and he's still stalking the grounds he's he's almost like a ghost and and that's maybe where the ghost concept comes from he's he's stuck there he can't leave he, he's always drawn back to the camp but anybody stupid enough to make their way to that haunted place yeah you know they they find you know they fuck around and find out basically whenever they meet him is at that he, point so is he a ghost or have we settled on the zombie He's portion. technically a, a revenant if you want to go like all you know bullshitty about it because he's like always seeking revenge like he's an undead creature that's seeking revenge for his mother that's yeah. what he's literally doing like anybody that comes to the camp he's he thinks that they they've killed his mom and that's why he's you know attacking them this uh, is the dangers of raising a mama's boy i, I still <laughs> be i still stand behind the notion that he's as mad that he can't get any action I, I, and I want to discuss that. We can discuss that now because we did. Once the second film rolled around and we kind of watched the third and the fourth, one thing I will throw in just because I have to uh, is that we know for a fact off of these, we're reviewing the first six, the first five, yes. okay, first six, that I have, I have verified that he does not harm animals. But he does not harm animals or children. Yes, or children. Yes. And the children part may be in part because he remembers being a child that was loved by his mom. So that that may or may not be nothing is determined for sure with that. Uh, there was one where he was going to attack the kids, but they lured him out of the cabin and then he did the Kool-Aid man maneuver. It broke through the wall. <laughs> I love down that scene. Tommy Jarvis. <laughs> but he was getting ready yeah. to fuck those kids do you, up. Do you know? Because he was looking at them. He... 
He was looking at. That's all I remember. I didn't see he, an uh, he, machete he raised. He was menacing toward them, but he never. And we'll get to this again with six. But like he was, he was moving toward them, but he doesn't quite move on them. He had several times that he could have taken those yes. kids out, and he never moved on them. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if he thought it was just too easy of a target. But now Noah had brought up multiple times how these women, m- multiple final girls, woke up. Did not die, but did not know what happened to them. And Noah had mentioned, do you think it's possible that they were raped? (laughs) Um, So this is jumping the gun. But in part three, the one with Chris as the final girl, Chris Higgins, Mm -hmm. because her and her friends go to Higgins Haven. um, She was attacked by him two years prior to being going back to Higgins Haven. That's Mm -hmm. the reason she's going back there. And she woke up and had no memory of her time that, I mean, and how, how she got away from him. Yeah. The original script was going to have her full on raped. Okay. But she argued against it oh. as a, as an actress. So that one's ambiguous. He could have, uh, she, uh, Chris is the one final girl who could straight up, you know, you can kind of, ins- you know, assume mm-hmm. she was raped by him. Well, we don't really know with the other girls because the one gets pulled into the lake uh, they find her, whatever. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a far-fetched to think that if she was found in the boat, I don't remember. I thought she was just found in general. Like, if they could have found her on shore, she could have been raped. The second one, for sure, could have happened. Can we talk about the yeah, final because... girl in number three? Let's let's yeah. get there. Yeah. Let's get, let's get, let's, let's get there. Like, uh, yeah, well, we haven't let's, even let's got to get to that movie, yeah, okay, before so we discuss her. Let's discuss the second movie. <clears throat> Um, well, before we get there, uh, let, let's go through the Death Holler Awards real quick for this movie. <laughs> yes, um, okay. So, what do you think of Alice Hardy? Uh, she's the sweet final girl. She's like the, the she's, she almost, she almost becomes naughty at one point when she's playing the strip poker, but other yeah. than that, she, she's fairly, and, you know, virginal. She, and she's like super, she's almost shy-ish, like in the movie. Oh, um, I know what it is. Jason likes the virgins. <laughs> Dude, because you. his mom liked the virgins. Actually, no, the mom was going to kill her. So, <laughs> um, uh, well, her, yeah, well, her mom, uh, his, Jason's mom, goes around killing anybody who's fucking basically because that that's what caused her son to die. So maybe Jason took a hint from I don't know. Whatever you want to argue, he could yeah. be raping him too because he's you know a hillbilly mongoloid basically is what they're <laughs> describing him. But, um. I thought it was funny with Alice whenever I was watching this movie. I thought if this movie had been remade like in the late 90s, Alison Hannigan from, uh, you know, Buffy slash oh, American yeah. Pie would have been a perfect fit for that character. Definitely. She remembers that one time at band camp. Yes. <laughs> that she wasn't a flute. She a look about her that was similar. <laughs> she did. And I'm glad you said that because I noticed it too. It was specifically at the end when she's like, well, he's still there. And it's like, um, first off, you're talking crazy talk. <laughs> you might want to simmer down there, cowgirl. Um, we talked about the slasher slightly. I mean, Pamela Voorhees, uh, uh, she, I, I felt like she did a good job selling the craziness of the character. She, not only um, did she do a good job selling the craziness, she did a pretty decent job selling the strength because she's she's only so strong as an elder lady. Uh, there's some sketchy things like how did you get that person strung up so easy? I don't know. She she's got skills. She's, she's had plenty strong. of time. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. The woods. But they also don't make her excessively strong. They don't make her like this superhuman. She can be taken down, and I think I respected that in this movie. Yes, she was still um, scary. She still got up, just like her son. <laughs> 
the one thing I liked, I didn't appreciate until it was mentioned, uh, Harry Manfredini, whenever he watched the movie, he said that his favorite thing that she did, and he said he mentioned this to her, is that there's a point where she's talking to Alice and she's talking about her son, you know, and, um, you know, she, you know, Jason, he, he drowned and then he, and then she like stops for a second and she says, but the camp counselors deserved it or something along those lines. And he's right. When you watch the movie, he said in that one scene, she conveys both the fact that she's crazy but that she don't give two fucks about the fact that she, she knows she is and she don't care. Like yeah. she's, she's full, like I'm crazy and I'm going with it. Like, oh yeah, she does a good job of selling that. She does. And you know what? Um, I don't know if you guys caught this. I absolutely did. When you were getting, she was about to say that Jason was, was mentally retarded. She was getting yes. ready to say he was my special boy, but she didn't. She's like, he, shouldn't have been left alone. He should have been watched, you know? And I was like, she yeah. did that so good. Like she stopped herself <laughs> from saying the inevitable, you know? Yeah. She, and she still couldn't bring herself to say anything bad about her son because that, you know, like that's the whole reason for her existence at that point. Yeah. <clears throat> um, Boy, Jason, it's not a slasher in this movie. So yeah, I mean, it's just, or is I mean, that's... he? No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> what, what, got uh, me... what is your all's favorite kill in the movie? I, you want to go first, baby? Okay, I'll go. Mrs. Voorhees heads because I love the blood squirting. Yeah, that's a good scene. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got to give it to the arrow through Kevin Bacon's neck. It's an iconic <laughs> scene. I I like that the the first girl that gets killed in the in the bathroom with the axe in the head. That's pretty good too, uh, especially yeah. they filmed it. Yeah, that, that, I, I wish they would have showed the it actually hitting it, but the aftermath, the special effects, wasn't too bad. Yeah, if I remember right, that's one of the the ones that Savini. That's one of his staples where he films it in reverse, like he the axe starts in their head, and then like you know as a prosthetic, and then they then the killer pulls it away, and then they just you know in the movie they reverse the shots so it looks like, and it, it's got more crunch to it that way because it's you know you can see it biting into the flesh, but that's because it's already in the flesh and they're just pulling it back out, you know. That's a good effect. Um, you, you know what got me was uh, what was that? Pam, uh, what was Jason Voorhees' mom's name? Pamela, the actress. Uh, Pamela. Her story. Betsy Palmer. Yeah, oh, Betsy yeah. Palmer. Her story about taking on the role was insane. I, I don't know if you read up on that. Uh, which part are you talking about? What, her accepting the actual job. Are like, we are we discussing that in trivia? Uh, I don't know that I necessarily covered that. I, it depends on what he's meaning by that. Cause I, I do remember <laughs> hearing it. There was another actress who took the part before her. Well, the, the, the fact, the only reason she was offered she, it. Yeah. The only reason she took the role is just the fact she needed money to buy a new car. Oh yeah. Well, I didn't hear that. She didn't say that in the camp crystal Lake memories or whatever. I wanted so to watch that. Yeah. That was wild. <laughs> I was reading up on it and it was just like, she didn't want to do it, but it was going to be such a short filming. Cause she owned film for six days. She's like, Whatever, I need to buy a new car. So that was the main reason. <laughs> that was like the only reason that she really took the role is this, it was going to be a short film. It was going to be close to her. And she needed to get a car because hers was uh, something happened to it. Well, I'll tell you what, she sure, as soon as like she, Comic Con started rolling around and she started seeing what was involved, she was real happy to jump on that train. That's how it is. She, 
there is so many people that in that Crystal Lake memories started out saying that they hated the movie or they they didn't want to come back and do a the, a repeat of it because they didn't want to get typecast, but they regret it now because they you know and it's like and, and part of me's like, are you saying this just so that you can sell more signatures, you know, at yeah. the Comic Cons and or, <laughs> you know conventions? I, her in particular, Betsy Palmer, because I mean, when she talks about this movie, she is just dripping with hatred. Like you can tell, like, and then but then she turns around, and she's like, "I've learned to appreciate it. It's good." And I'm like, "Ah, that's got the smell of bullshit." Like I, mm. <laughs> yeah, because she talked some shit about the film. So <laughs> yeah, she did. <clears throat> um, best scream in the movie. Who do you think had the best scream? Mrs. Voorhees. What? <laughs> I'm joking. Um, I you know what I I didn't catch I I I didn't. There's not a lot that stands out. I think Alice at the end of the dream sequence had a pretty decent scream, but other than that, I didn't. None, none of them really stood out. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'm glad you said that because I'm like, did I miss some good screams? Um, Noah, did you have anything that stood out? I mean, it, it really didn't have a lot, in my opinion. Why but... do Why am I envisioning in my head that Mrs. Voorhees was screaming at some point though? Did I not? Am I making that up? She was screaming as a psychopath. Yes, that's why. I said, okay, that counts, Reverend. Does that not count? Uh, that's fair. See? If that's what you want to log down is, is Mrs. Voorhees. Uh, I stand by my screen. decision. That's my final answer. Really? <laughs> um, there's really no contest for best boobs. I think the only person who showed boobs in this movie was Marcy when she was having sex with Jack. Yay. And that was only like barely see them as she turns out. And Congratulations, Marcy. And that's who she'd be known for is having sex with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. That that was in the trivia. That's what she said. She said that she she was she's like, you know, I got to have sex with Kevin Bacon, you know, on screen, you know. Well, la dee freaking da. <laughs> Uh, how annoying is the Doom Prophet? We got Crazy Ralph. He's he's the most Doom Prophet that you can be. So, uh, what do you think about old Crazy Ralph? He is the most Doom Prophety, but he, I mean, most Doom Prophets are not wrong, but I don't find him to be annoying. Other, I find him to be more creepy. Yeah, he especially the fact <clears throat> that he was actually in the the, the camp, you know, yeah. buildings with them. At yeah, one that point one part when he was in the pantry jerking off, that was hella weird. <laughs> <laughs> he was making dough balls. He was in there with some underwears just sniffing them. <laughs> Were they brown um, and silky? <laughs> so this is some early trivia before we get there, but the actress who played Marcy was actually frightened by the the actual actress who played Crazy Ralph, said that he played that character. He was, you know, it wasn't really him acting. It's basically the way she was. Oh, that he was nice. that crazy on set <laughs> and that she was actually afraid of him. Like and it was years later before she ever warmed up to him. Oh my god! It wasn't. What, what when was it filled? Eighty. Nineteen seventy nine is when it was. Okay. Well, it's sad, but it was filmed. At, it came out in eighty. Yeah. So back then, that you can be a little bit more. You can be a lot more creepier and get away with it. So you probably really was pretty creepy. <laughs> uh, who's your all's favorite side character in this movie, or did you have one? Muffin. I, I Enus. Enus the penis. It was muffin for me. <laughs> Muffin wasn't in this movie. Oh, Muffin wasn't in this one. Never mind. Fuck it. You know, Shit. you know who I liked it was the lady at the diner. Oh yeah, I thought something yeah. was going to happen to her. I she, thought she I, was the one that was hitting on Steve Christie, right? Correct. The one that was like, you, you, how you doing, sugar? Oh, yeah, I liked her. She had a lot of sass. Noah likes <laughs> that, waitresses like that, and he will flirt with them in front of me, and I find it to be hilarious. 
<laughs> hilarious and makes me a little psycho at the same time. They're not trying to bang anybody. They just want, I know. To, they want to have a little fun in their shitty day. Oh, yeah. it's it's. Uh, I love it. I mean, I, if I'm being honest, I think it's hilarious. And they love it, too. You know? It's better than having, like, a, an asshole or someone creepy, you know? <laughs> that is true. Um, dumbest moment. Uh, it's got to be when Alice throw the fucking gun at Mama Voorhees. Like, <laughs> That's not how guns she, work. She throws the gun. Like, she doesn't even try to wield it as a club. Yeah. Especially a gun like that back in the day with a real wooden stock. I mean, and made out of heavy steel. That was a weapon waiting to be used. Well, let's be honest. Alice was a terrible fighter. Yeah. She was terrible. Yeah. Her hits, even though Mrs. Voorhees went down a few times, and sometimes I was like, okay, is she pretending to go down so that she can get back up again like Shambawamba? But, like, <laughs> like... Was she pretending so that, you know, she could gain the advantage again, make her think that she was safe, and then, of course, come after her again? Or was Mrs. Voorhees actually, because she is an elderly lady, she might be country strong, but did that shit actually hurt her for a moment, you know? Might have been a combination of both. I think at certain times she was playing possum, as it were, but then, like... I think she was actually sometimes uh, hurt enough to where it took her a second or two to get back up. I mean, yeah. she didn't have her ibuprofen to help her <laughs> out. So, I mean. um, and not only that, but I mean, I'm what I'm getting at is Alice did not sell any scene where she was actually fighting for her life. I mean, in terms of running and being scared, maybe. But actually hitting, like, I don't know. I feel like you're that terrified no matter how weak you are. You start to get fucking, like, your, your, endor- your endorphins are fucking kicking in at this point. I mean... You can give it to her for the fact that she, you know, cut Mrs. Voorhees' head clean off. I mean, that was a damn good yeah, kill. But true. I mean, like, it's a machete, other than that, though. like, she was very ineffective. A like, machete is the... a very effective tool, and it's very lightweight. So. I'm going to tell you right now, a machete won't cut someone's head off. It won't? You it ever won't seen that? How am I supposed no. to survive in the zombie apocalypse? Because you just got to hack limbs. Do I? Like, yes. I feel like I need to make head... Like, no. get it stuck in the no. head so I can get their brain. You, you, if you want to break through somebody's head off, I think the zombie, uh, what was that Max Brooks book or whatever about the, the zombies? Uh, he it, sold me the machete. Uh, there, there's like actually some, uh, Asian like spear type weapon that it's got like kind of a, like the a rounded like end to it. That's a lot better about decapitations. So okay. So maybe not decapitating, but at the same time, aren't zombies also technically rotting? So what don't you think it'd be a little bit easier? No bones are strong. Even years later. I don't want to play this game anymore. <laughs> yeah. You never seen those videos they post online, like crazy stuff in other countries, like in the middle of the street where people are hacking people with machetes and it doesn't really kill them. I have been so misled. My Yeah, it would it would even be hard to cut somebody's arm off with one, to yeah. be honest. A I mean finger? you'd have to keep, you take a couple a of hacks at it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I st- I I digress. But it looks cool on film, so it does. give them that. It looks badass. Um <laughs> Y'all have anything else to say about this one? You will move on to part two. Let's move on to part two. Friday the 13th, part two. It came out in 1981. They, one year after the first one. So they were really throwing these out there. Um, tagline, the body count continues. Yeah, it does. So that's, that's accurate. Directed by Steve Miner, uh, protege of uh, Sean S. Cunningham. Written by Ron Kurz, uh, who did the screenplay for this one. And then uh, based on characters from Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham. Uh, again, music by Harry Medfordini. Made for uh, uh, made on a budget of $1.25 million and it made $21.7. So not quite as good, but not bad. Still made yeah, a bit of money. Still a good cash cow. 
principal players. We got Amy Steele, who plays Jenny Field, our final girl. We have Warrington Gillette and Steve Dash. There's some contention there. I'll get into in the trivia. Uh, who played Jason Voorhees, oh. uh, who is our slasher? And this is Sackhead Jason, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John Fury, who plays Paul Holt, uh, who's our lead counselor at Pakenack Lodge. <laughs> Why is this making me laugh? <clears throat> it's a funny word. Um, and he's the love interest for the final girl. We have Marta Cober playing Sandra uh, Dyer, who's Jeff's girlfriend. And she's actually the younger sister of Rob Dyer, who's from part four. We'll get into that whole controversy. Hmm. Um and then she uh, she is the person who finds the discarded Camp Crystal Lake sign uh, that's nearby. Uh, Bill Randolph is playing uh, Jeff uh, Doonesbury, uh, Marta's fuck buddy, <laughs> uh, or uh, or Sandra's as it were in the movie. Uh, Stuart Charno is playing Ted Bowen, who's the prankster that ultimately is saved by his love of booze. And that's the only time in this series you'll ever see any somebody whose addiction actually saves them, but it saved old Ted. Uh, Tom McBride is playing Mark Jarvis, uh, the wheelchair-bound uh, Romeo in the movie. That's such a good kill, too. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> uh, Lauren Marie Taylor is playing Vicki Perry. Uh, she's down in the clown with Mark, and she's got those brown panties ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so hot back uh, then. Russell... <laughs> uh, Russell Todd is playing uh, Scott Chaney, a uh, friend of Muffin. Uh, and he has the hots for Terry. Uh, Chris or Kirsten Baker is playing Terry McCarthy, who loves skinny dipping and her dog Muffin. My wife was uh, Walt- so distraught over Muffin. Oh my God, what happened to the dog? Who gives a fuck about the dog? Hey, this isn't your world. This is mine, and you're just living in it. I'll keep that in mind. If this shit ever happens and you're worried about the dog, I will leave you in the dust. <laughs> we have Walt Gorney coming back to play Crazy Ralph for his final appearance. Uh, Jack Marks is playing Alcacil Winslow. What a fucking name. What a name. Uh, Who's the local cop investigating the area. Not very well. And and, and there's, and this is little known to me, but I didn't notice some of the movie, six extra counselors that just fuck off and nobody knows where the fuck they go to. (laughs) They they went to the bar. Yeah. Didn't they go to the bar? It doesn't specify that they did. Like there's even in the wiki, they don't know where these extra people went. Well, Because the only three people that went to the bar was Jenny, uh, uh, Paul, and um, Ted. And that's the ones that they they acknowledge went to the bar. Yeah, (laughs) I wonder. I mean, like, yeah, that's true. Because they kind of, maybe they were just like help during the day to get shit up and running. And then there was the main counselors. Again, my dumb explanation to explain it away. And modern audiences would be pissed off at the fact because these six extra counselors are the diverse counselors. There's a there's a black oh. guy, there's a bunch of women, I mean, and they just disappear from the movie. Oh. And then we and then we have beautiful Muffin. Played by uh, Muffin the Dog. <laughs> really? Timeline for this film. Okay. So August, or about <laughs> two months from the date of the first film in nineteen seventy nine. Alice Hardy is released from the sanitarium and against her parents' wishes returns back to Crystal Lake to conquer her fears, but is unfortunately killed by Jason Voorhees. And that's what you see in the beginning of the movie. Okay, okay. hold on. We can't go any further from this point. Yeah, I we gotta, gotta pause. There's a major fucking problem here. Where in the fuck did she move to? 
they said it was near Crystal Lake somewhere. It didn't That's look like it. That yeah, it looked scene, like the city. It looked like a city. It looks it looks like the suburbs. I agree with you. It okay. looks like it. He traveled somewhere else. So if he's supposed to be a mongoloid woodsman that's secluded and never has been out hmm. into polite society. How in the fuck did he hunt her down? Well, it was near I Crystal no Lake. Idea. That's the only thing we have, and that's the logic they're going with, is that if you're on or around Crystal Lake, you're not safe. I, but at this time in the Jason time paradigm, he's not quite possessed demon yet. Mm-mm. He's human. Mm-mm. Human mongoloid retard with one eye that's been secluded out in the woods in his little bullshit makeshift hut, was able to track the squirrel down. Do you think this guy had any clue how to use the yellow pages? <laughs> you just I don't know how he found her, to be perfectly honest, because the fact is, is not only did he have to find her, but he had to play the waiting game until she got out oh, of the yeah. sanitarium and, and then get her. Yeah, and not only that, okay, so here's my dumb explanation to explain it away. Did her dumb bitch ass go to camp, like, go actually go to Crystal Lake and stare at the water fondly, like, okay, I'm fine. And then he followed her, he tracked her home. Okay, That's the only this, way. probably argue that because this, if she's going to that, uh, mm. whatever they call it, that, that therapy where you have to, you know, immerse Immersion yourself therapy, in whatever yeah. you fear the most. They uh, weren't doing that back uh, in the she, 80s. Well, I'm just saying if that's what she was attempting to do in her primitive sort of way. If you remember the first first movie, she was talking about going out to California already. So I'm just saying. Um, I think, if I remember the wiki right, her family's from California. So her parents actually lived in California. But she was in the first movie, she was talking about going back out there. And she even told that creepy uh, counselor dude about that. Yeah, but she also got locked up in the loony bin because she went psycho from what all happened to her that night that Mama Voorhees went after her. So Correct. So there was more of a reason to, for her to go back to her parents' house, or even California, than to stay out there next to all that shit that just went down. Well, now here's if this makes you feel any better, Noah. Um they just could contractually didn't uh, couldn't work things out with the actress, and they wanted a way to write her out of the movie, so they just wrote something quick to fuck fucking kill her off and be done with her. Yeah. that's literally yeah. the reason for this. Um, I'm, I'm just telling you straight up. For the record, <laughs> exposure therapy is what it was called in the 1950s, and it was okay. actually very aggressive. That was like, ah, oh, <laughs> fuck it, go deal with it, you stupid cunt. So, just so we're clear, uh, it, it is possible that uh, that that was the case with her, and then. He followed her home. I like how he turned the stove off and took the, the yeah. thing off. I was like, this that was is very a, polite of him. Yeah, this is, he didn't want yeah, the house to burn down. Yeah. There's, there's a cat. Um, how nice was it that he uh, took his uh, mom's decapitated head and shoved it in her refrigerator so she could find it? I mean, that was pretty nice of him. Yes, too. Gotta, keep it, yeah, gotta keep it fresh, okay? <laughs> he was just trying to, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, preserve. His his mother and her not only her spirit but physically preserve her body. It, it's, his mom is explaining how TV dinners work, so he's like, "I got this." Do you I do th- like one. I, there's one thing I like about this though, is that the difference between the, how the head looks in this scene and versus the scene later when Jenny finds it in the shack, it's way more you know decrepit, you know, yeah. rotted and all <clears> that. It makes sense because. Here's the, here's the thing, guys. We jump ahead five years from this point. Like that scene with, you know, with Alice is in '79, and we jump ahead to 1984 with the very next scene at Packenack Lodge. So, 
This movie actually takes place in the future, if you want to take take that in consideration. The movie was made in 1981, but it was set in Thursday, July 12th, 1984. Oh, see? <laughs> but, but see, with that, with that original girl... All they would have had, all they could have did was just ignore her, like she left the area and just and then picked up right in 1984. Yeah, they they wanted to, they wanted to get her in to just link them together. It's the only reason they wanted her in it, like just to have like some continuity between the two of them. And I don't know why. I'm just saying that's what they wanted with her. And because there, there's actually this is a little bit of trivia and skipping ahead. There was actually the original part two was going to have, uh, uh, there was the, the rumor that it was going to follow, uh, you know, uh, I believe like Alice <laughs> was going to be in like a mental institution and Jason was going to be in the, in that, or, you know, nearby in Crystal Lake or, and like, and Jason was going to break into that to get revenge for his mother or whatever. He was going to break into that and start and stalk, uh, you know, the people in the asylum and then eventually she have another standoff with her at the end of it. He was going to so pop in in a nurse's costume. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, he might've looked attractive in it. Who knows? But, okay. You know, there you are. So what timeline or what year is this supposed to be? You said it was in the future. Yes, yeah, so now we're up to date. Uh, the, the events of part two take place starting out on Thursday, July 12th, 1984. 84, so he's 26 or 27. He's born in 57? Uh, he was born in 46. Oh, 46. Okay, okay, okay. I did not math properly. So what age does that make him? Hold on. <clears throat> 1984, you said? Yes. 38, actually. There you go. So I don't know where the child Jason comes from, but whatever. Um, and, and even if you go by the fact that he was a child whenever Alice saw him in 79, well, that doesn't make sense either because he was a full-on adult when he came and, like, killed her at her house, like, just two months later. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. We're like, that doesn't – the math is not mathing there. <laughs> uh, do you think her scream hurt – I mean, not scream. Do you think the kill hurt, hurt more because she was screaming because she saw Mrs. Voorhees' head? <laughs> like she got stabbed right in the temple. That's going to hurt no matter what. But when you're screaming and your temple is like tightened, that shit seems like it would hurt more. You want to know a bit of trivia about that? Sure. The uh, actress actually had that pop into her head slightly because it didn't retract like it oh, was supposed to. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> there, it actually showed like the log of injuries on set. And that was one of them is the, the, the pick to her head for that actress. No, thank you. They did it on purpose because she wanted so much money. Like, bitch, we're going to write you off and give you a going away present. <laughs> That's what they did. <laughs> <clears throat> so anyways, Thursday, July 12th, 1984, Paul Holt uh, mm. opens the counselor training program at Pakenak Lodge. Crazy Ralph is killed by Sackhead Jason. And then on Friday, July 13th, uh, 1984, Jason Voorhees, enraged by the intrusion of people in the Camp Crystal Lake area, kills six counselors and a local police officer. And that's the events of the movie, basically. And then Saturday, July 14th, 1984, Jenny Field is the only survivor of the massacre. Paul Holt is m missing and whereabouts unknown. Still to this day, whatever happened to Paul. Uh, Muffins the dog is also nowhere to be found. So there you go, Urena. I don't know what to tell you on that. He's living happily. Muffin is living happily with Jason, but Muffin was there at the end of the movie. Not at the very end. Not the, the end. The scene end. before she 
blanked out. Muffin's fine, still to this day alive. Now, here's the plot hole inconsistency going into part four uh, later on. Uh, it is presumed that today is the day that Rob Deere, because it has to be, hears of his sister's fate and swears revenge on Jason Voorhees because, get this, folks, uh, it's literally two days later whenever Rob Deere appears at, at the Jarvis's cabin <laughs> in part four. Oh. That's how close these two, three, and four are. Wow. <laughs> so let's see where Rob shows up and he's acts like he's been searching for his sister's killer for like years. It's been two days. Two days. <laughs> no, two whole days. Um so anyways, that that's the the timeline for the movie. Uh body count is nine, possibly ten. We have Alice with a screwdriver or pike to the skull. We have Ralph with a barbed wire a garrote to the throat. Uh, Alcacil has the claw hammer to the back of his skull. Scott is hung upside down and throat cut with a machete. Terry is unknown, but her body is in the shack later uh, in Jason's kill shrine that he has. Uh, Mark has a machete to the face before rolling downstairs in the wheelchair, and that's Bay of Blood style, by the way. <laughs> and Jeff and Sandy, also in Bay of Blood style, are speared through while they're fucking. <laughs> Beautiful scene. Beautiful. Uh, and then Vicky is uh, stabbed to death in slow motion, uh, and that's and uh, then we have Paul, who's unknown. He could be the eleventh kill. We don't know, or the tenth kill. We don't know. He he he. Nobody knows what happened to him. He was butt fucked to death. Yeah, can we talk about the quality of women from the first one to the second, from the <laughs> ones afterwards? Because it goes uh, up fucking exponentially. We're talking the difference between seventies and eighties women. Oh, okay. A you year. Still one year later. It's yeah. one year, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Magically. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the quality this is fucking. Oh, what we about We know the, where the budget went. What about the music? 79 to 80? It went up exponentially as well. Yeah. I stand by what I said. <clears throat> um, Terry is a drastic improvement in the in the tit department. I'm just going to throw really? out there in that skinny dipping is. scene. So. <laughs> I hate tiny titties. Yeah, what, what about her? I mean, she was wearing the shit out of the shorts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the other thing I was going to mention about her is that not only does she, I mean, unofficially, I mean, before we get to that, get the award to, from me for best, but she also has that scene where she's literally having rocks bounced off her ass with a slingshot. You know? <laughs> Just she saying. was definitely fit, for sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, quotes that I noticed uh, are from this movie. Uh, just your legs, huh? Is everything else okay when Vicky's <laughs> flirting with more? Vicky was a whore. <laughs> that poor uh, guy Vicky. was about to get some action and just went fucking sideways for him. Oh, we talked about that. We talked about how she was just fucking dicking around, wasting precious yeah. time. I know. When she goes back to change, she's just Typical woman thing. The guy's ready to rock and roll, and she's in there just fucking looking at looking her phone. Her sexy panties, those brown ones. Yeah. So. Where's the ones with the stain on them? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, uh, I was just... These kids, these kids smoke better dope than I do from Paul. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, Ted's famous uh, joke that he did in this, what's brown and sits on a piano, Beethoven's last movement. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Um, observations. We've already mentioned Vicky's brown panties. Good, <laughs> good Lord. Uh, and then Jason looks like sloths from the Goonies. They're, they're, they're separated by birth at birth. I, I, I swear they, they both look alike. Well, he's 38 in this film. 
uh, allegedly, excuse me, there was no in this film, in this in this world, he's 38 or should be 38. Um, but he looks like uh, he looks younger in the in the films coming up. And you don't really even see his face. It's just that his body got better. How about this? How about the fact he's running around with only one good eye in the fucking woods, in the dark, in the rain, and he still happens to outclass all these people? He's got them fucking backwoods senses. He's got <laughs> one eye in the woods. Fuck yeah, In dude. the rain. These teens um, got two eyes and can't see straight, okay? Here, here's a minor problem I have with the movies uh, when it comes to how he looks in this one. So he's got that wonky eye that's like halfway down his face on mm-hmm. the one side and the one that's in the right spot. And that's the one that he's actually seen out of the sack with was the good eye. When he puts the mask on in part three, they're both lined up. With eye holes. Oh, I pointed that out when yeah. I was the Moon Rainer watching it. What the fuck it's, is this horse shit? His eye's supposed to be droopy. <laughs> he has, it, that's not representing his good eye. That's one of the things I like about part six is because he's got that dead eye in part six that doesn't even feel, you know, that's complete because where the machete went through his head. So they don't even have to worry about that. Oh, he's yeah. just got the one good eye. So it, it all that one fits. But this, this or part four don't, or I mean three and part four don't because he's seeing out of both sides of the mask and he shouldn't be able to. But anyway. But by then he's already a demonic <laughs> possession. So, but in, in the second one, he's still like full legitimate human. He probably, I bet you his nickname would have been Baba. <laughs> if he'd had a brother it would have been yeah um what do you think about i mean they basically set up so this is five years later and since paul holt is officially not allowed to set up anything at camp crystal lake because that's the way they've set this movie up is that crystal lake still off limits nobody can you know do anything there he's doing a camp right across the lake on the other side and another at, it's like how does that make like they shouldn't the people still be worried about somebody setting one up on the other side of the lake? I mean, no, that's semantics. You're thinking, you're <laughs> thinking way too much about this. Oh, what I'm concerned with is, uh, why is okay? I mean, maybe what Noah said of he thinks that some young wussy's gonna come through. Um, this camp it, it's abandoned. It, I thought it was Camp Crystal Lake at first because I'm like, this camp needs some fucking help, except for the main cabin that they were all in. That was actually pretty nice looking. But they had to do some major work to this camp to fucking just to get it running. People were supposed to be showing up the next day. And I'm like, how the fuck is this supposed to happen? (laughs) I thought it was funny, too, when Jenny shows up in her VW bug, which that happens. That car, there's a VW bug in a lot of these movies. I don't know why that's a running (laughs) thing, but it is. Cheap ass And um, when she shows up in that, it reminds me of the scene from the final girls, uh, where the, the one actress who's supposed to be the final girl in that one, like shows up and like, you know, her fast, you know, speedy car or whatever, like partway through the movie. It, uh, it almost feels like that's the inspiration they had for the final girls is from this. Cause that's the way that Jenny shows up. She's late and she's the one that, you know, ends up being the, the survivor. I didn't know if you all noticed that or if you watched the movie. Um, no, I didn't make, I didn't know. I, in fact, I'm, I'm having a hard time visualizing that in my head. Really? Kind of. I guess I just didn't, I guess I just didn't catch it. it why? Okay. Let's be honest. There's not a lot I catch in the film. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here for a good time. <laughs> um, Kill-wise, do you feel like they stepped it up from the first movie oh, as far as, like, the visuals? Oh, yeah. Big time. Oh, yeah, big time. 
Well, um, I mean, if we're talking I, about the difference between a huge guy versus Mrs. Voorhees, and no one suspected Mrs. Voorhees. <laughs> That's true. Um, I feel like that story they added to retcon Jason's, like, you know, how he could still be alive at the beginning of it, where Paul's telling the campfire tale, actually is pretty effective. Yeah, I liked it. It was pretty cool. Um, then they had Ted jump out and do his stupid thing with the mask that and everything. <laughs> Very, would not go well. That's not something that could happen in, in movies nowadays. Okay, wh- what, uh, about, no. what about the opening scene of the movie? That's one of my favorite, when the dudes are showing up with the pickup and they tow that shit. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, That yeah. is the <laughs> ultimate fucking, that's a, that's a prank I would not mind doing to somebody. That was fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls up. When you said and, the opening. I was thinking of the scene with uh, Alice or yeah. whatever. She's getting stalked by Jason through the rain. That's that opening scene, by the way. That does remind me of something. Him stomping through that rain on that like suburban street or whatever it was reminded me a lot of Stephen King's It. Like I, it, it just the way that it was set up and like the you know the rain going down the gutters and all that stuff. Like it, it really reminded me of, of Stephen King's It. I know that they're not yeah. related, but. It's just it, it had that vibe to it. It's see, always fucking raining on Friday the thirteenth. See, we were ar- we were arguing in the beginning, and my wife was trying to tell me that he's a ghost. I was like, "Really, a ghost?" And th- and that's why he was walking around the subdivision right next to where that kid was. That's why he showed those scenes. I mean, like in horror world, like what about the time? It's when easier Jenny for them to do the that. I'm pretty sure that happens in this movie. It does. Yes. No, 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 and I don't think I, I don't think we had watched the film when we, or was it over when we had this? I don't remember. I it was, was like halfway through it, and and I was like, this is, like, I, I was pointing out things like he's like a ghost. I was like, is that why he built a fort in the middle of the woods? Is that why it showed the part where he's walking through the subdivision? You have to have a haunted house, and you don't know that some other bum didn't build that house, and he just resides there. Um, I have never seen this film. I, this is my first time seeing it. This particular one, I had seen other films. Uh, which I was surprised at how many I had actually seen before, um, but yeah, I mean, th- for this one, I didn't, I didn't know, but I mean, it would in my world make sense that if you're traveling, because we thought it was a completely different city. Well, how did he get there? Well, fucking ghosts do some weird fucking shit because they're ghosts and they don't even really <laughs> and that's exist. That's what you were trying to rationalize. It's like, then why did he build a fort in the woods? That's just the house that he haunted. He he doesn't technically start teleporting until six. <laughs> <laughs> He's working on his jujitsu right now. Yes. <laughs> um, do you have anything else you want to discuss about the movie before I get to the the awards for this one? My um, my only gripe with the movie, I I love the movie. My only problem is, I wish they didn't have that opening scene with that girl. That was like the biggest big waste of time, doing a lot of disservice to the movie. It's it also it does a disservice to her as a final girl because like she's the only one that's like I, that that gets killed like after the fact like you yeah. know like she went through all that shit and now she you know just to be killed off you know and and the actress herself by the way that's a bit of trivia she she's even to this day she's pissed at how they treated her not necessarily her as an actress which she wasn't happy about it but the character because she said that character deserved better than just being killed off like you know instantly in the beginning of the movie then maybe you shouldn't have been so money hungry lady well it wasn't an issue of necessarily the money hungry it was the fact that like they 
uh, whenever they went to like try to get her into the movie, like sh- they couldn't work anything out as far as like, you know, like her manager and all that stuff. And like, you know, trying, it was more of her manager than her necessarily. But then whenever they, and, and she was kind of waffling on it a little bit too, because she would, she didn't know she wanted to be like known as that girl, you know, they all do that. You know, it's like, well, if I keep doing this part, then I'll be that girl, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, you know, um, I guess at that point, at this at this time frame, they didn't know how well that could have worked out. Could have. Okay, how about this? What other what other major roles did she land down the line? She did a lot of porn movies. <laughs> I'm joking. I don't. I don't really know. I don't. I mean, I don't. Uh, she's she's actually in one of those like uh, fan films, uh, like in the past couple of years, like Jason. Uh, Jason's Revenge or something like that. I think the name of her, Jason Rises or something. I don't know, but it's like there's one that's that she comes back and plays that character in actually. But that, but that whole thing of her doing that changed the tra- entire trajectory storyline that they had kind of probably had in their mind about mimicking like a Halloween. So that one instance of her not landing, relanding that role as a continual person changed the entire movie franchise. I think. I think it had a huge impact with the way that that whole genre went. I think that's a it good did, thing too. I would argue for the better. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. uh, percent. Yeah, yeah big for time. the better, yeah. and not only that, but I bet you it it allowed for a better budget, meaning you don't have the same star that you do have to increase, you know, the pay on because yes. you know they they're more known, they're more established now. Now they get these nobodies allegedly, you know, or these noobs, and they get to start fresh. And not only that, they get kind of their own story, too. So I think it's kind of cool. Because, it, again, we are at the same camp, same bullshit going on. Now you've got a, a new person you have to sympathize with. Yeah, and it, it's a, a new set of circumstances about why they're there, what they're per, why they're at this individual. Because, like, I mean, yeah, she's there, uh, uh, like Jenny's there as a possible camp counselor again. But whenever you switch to three, like that is completely not what Chris is there for at all. And then you get to part four, and like you know, depending upon who you claim is the final girl slash boy in that movie, the Jarvises are just living there. That just happens to be in their backyard that all this shit's happening. So, which is wild. They would even buy that house out there like that well they were already that's the thing this is all two days after jason goes on his rampage when the jarvises get hit so they've only like they've lived there their entire lives there's been no issues other than the fact that mama Voorhees back in you know five years ago had her ordeal but like jason himself has only been he kills all these people over the course of like three days this a this a complete machine. <laughs> it really is, and he and he's hacked up through. I mean, like to, you know, like suffering from wounds in each successive movie. Um, you all ready for the awards on this one? Oh yeah. Uh, so the final girl, Jenny. What do you think about her? I think she's probably going to get the award from most fans as being the best final girl in the series, outside of maybe the psychic one, but. I don't know if I would call her the best final girl in the series. That's well, is that what she's kind of she, pinned as? Yeah, because she fits the criteria. She she outwits Jason like big time. That whole thing of putting yeah. you know, Mama Voorhees yeah. cardigan on. Uh, she uses uh, she does a lot of damage to him. She wields a chainsaw at him, and they set this stuff up in the movie too. They show a scene where she's using the chainsaw. They so show a scene where she's actually like you know running and like leading the campers and like their fitness. At, so she, they set up. She's not a Mary Sue. Like they set up that she can do these things. I like when she gets stabbed in the leg. <laughs> um, 
but and and she's I don't know like she's uh you know she's just got uh, she fits both cri- the criteria of that she's sort I mean you know able to survive and endure but at the same time she gives the bad guy as much as she gets so it's not you know like she actually stands up to him even you know, though she is saved by Paul at one point so that kind of weakens her defense a little bit actually yeah I, I now that you say that I I could see her being the most the strongest pet protagonist female in that equation. Wait, more than Jennifer Lawrence when she did this in the first film? <laughs> well, we've all got to get credit credit to Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, she is the ultimate final girl in every movie that was ever made, but, you know. She's our first, our last, our everything. <laughs> oh, um, there God. is one thing, and, and some people argue this actually humanizes her and levels her down and actually makes, still makes her the final girl, is the fact that She's the only final girl that I know of that pisses herself. Like, literally. <laughs> yeah. That was funny. I was like, ooh, he could smell that. <laughs> Woodsy guy. It turned him on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of looked like it did, to be honest. Um, You know, I'll say this about Jenny. Uh, Jenny. She's a step up from the first final girl, for sure. She's a little oh, bit stronger, a little a little bit more wittier. Um, she looks like she wants to survive. Unlike Alice, I wasn't buying that she really wanted to live. Alice looks like she stumbled in the living uh, yeah. versus Penny. Yeah, 100%. Um, the slasher in this. What do y'all think about Sackhead Jason? He's a little goofy. <laughs> um, I mean, yes, different from the Jasons that we get forthcoming, but he is um, somewhat realistic. Yeah, he's the most human of them yeah. all, honestly. Yes. I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll give that. Um, you have any thoughts on him, Noah, before we move on? I actually liked him. I liked I liked the character. I wish they would have I wish they would have did something with the sack to kind of show his droopy eye. That would have been a little bit cooler or something like that they could have did. But overall I think I thought his character in the, that as the main like villain was, was pretty good. it this movie was still held up really good, man. It does. I mean, especially that ending. Like, I, I will argue that scene in the in the murder shack or the murder shrine uh, is probably one of the most effective scenes in the entire series. Like, I mean, just everything that goes on in there. I mean, just the, how it looks. Mama Voorhees' head, you know, they're rotting in the center of the shrine. And then, you know, the way that Jason, like, comes back to the, you know, it, it, it works, like, every bit of it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I like that twist right at the very end where he, where he crashes through and grabs her. Yeah, that was cool. That was a good one. That got me. It's all rainbows and your oh shit. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> uh, what are your all's best kill in this movie? I still I got to go back to Bay of Blood. I like to spear through people that are fucking. It's just <laughs> it's, it's it's a good thing. It's a good way to kill people. I liked Scott getting hung upside down. The wheelchair. Yeah. Oh, the wheelchair. <laughs> that the is... wheelchair guy. Now that was good. The way that they had him rolling down the steps after he got the machete. That was a cool scene. But not only that, but that's still a classic trope that people throw in to like flashbacks about it and stuff like that. That's still like, how how many times did they rehash that scene in all the future Jasons? Um, I mean, uh, quite a bit. I mean, honestly, with people falling down and all that, I not, mean, not that, it's but... kind of a play on the, the, the axe to the face, you know, that, uh, oh, yeah. you know, in the first one, but it, it, it works a little bit better. Big time. And I, that, but it's just, it's such an iconic scene too. Like mm-hmm. you show somebody that and they automatically, oh yeah. Uh, best scream in the movie. Brown panties. 
<laughs> she, I thought that Terry, after she finds Scott, like, you know, with his throat cut, was, uh, she's a pretty good screamer in that scene. Um, I don't know. You know, my problem with the screams that I'm, I'm finding right now, because we watch so many of these, is that there's so many None of them. None of them really stand out quite as much yes. as the one from Chainsaw. They really Yeah, don't. that's true. <laughs> I loved that one. They get so muddled because there's just so many of them, which they, they're well-deserved, by the way. Um, it's well, not that they're terrible or anything. I just, the, none of them are sticking out to me. The one from Chainsaw happened so much. It's like, it's hard to forget that. That was, yeah, that was her exactly. sitting down when she was running though in fear of her life. They were good screams. I, I know, but I'm saying though, it, it's so iconic because it happens nonstop. Like <laughs> it's, it's hard to get it out of your head. The good thing about that one though, Reverend and I discussed, and I, you, you may have heard me is that at least her voice starts to go oh, after yeah. a while. Oh, like yeah. it changes and that is beautiful. It's real, you know? Yeah, it adds a lot of realism to it. But that's the reason that movie works is it's got that realistic feel to it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jenny running from Jason, uh, there's a few scenes where she's screaming. She she does a pretty good job, the final girl, but I think Terry's, to me, stood out the best. Um, and then, oh, best boobs, I've already said, it's Terry for me. But what would <laughs> you all say? Brown panties, is that what you said? No, I'll go with Terry on that. Uh. <laughs> I don't have the best boobs of this one. I'm probably going to have to go with, uh, what's her name? Uh, Terry. See, but Terry's, oh, no, no. A, but Terry's an overall package. You're not just, it's not just a boob evaluation. It's Let overall. me rephrase. It was not, She's it was brown a panties. Body, a very fit body. She does have a scene. fit body, but you know me, I, it is, uh, it's a no from me. I cannot stand tiny titties. Uh, I'm an ass man and she's like rocking the, the short shorts. You should wear something like that. Everything gets short on me. I don't have a pair of shorts that don't turn if short on me. If you wear that, I will put a Jason mask on and chase you around the house. <laughs> Shall I pick zero up like a muffin? Yeah, you can do that. <laughs> um, we get we get Ralph back for a little bit, so he the same Doom Prophet basically. In the he movie. doesn't get to do I anything mean, Doom Prophety though. Yeah, he he's, he's not as good in this one. I mean, and no, and no one even sees him. So like, it's well, he does talk to, he does tell one of the people that they're doomed if they go to the camp. It might've been like Ted in that, you know, when he's pulling that prank. Yeah. I Um, I think it was a dude in the the phone booth when he was in the phone booth talking. Yeah. Oh yeah. The phone booth guy. Yeah. So he barely does anything and they didn't pay any mind to him. So, I mean, he doesn't get to be annoying or anything. So, I mean, is there any other, was there, I thought we saw something else doom profity in there. I can't really think of anybody else in this movie that served that role. I mean, not that I could remember. I mean, yeah, because even when they went to the bar, nobody said anything to them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that dude, character, that dude, I hated that guy so much. The 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 companion to the girl, Mister Sweater Vest. Mister Sweater Vest, companion to the girls, to the main girl at the end. He he was all like. That like he was wearing a turtleneck. You're at a country bar. And oh was, yeah. And I was just oh, okay, thinking, this you. motherfucker you, Paul, would get. Is that you're talking about the main guy, the director. Yeah. yeah, that guy would get ran the fuck out of town, showing up at that goddamn country <laughs> bar wearing that shit. I seen that. I was like, no fucking way. Like they, they would let the black dude slide, but that dude in that <laughs> fucking turtleneck, they tell him get the fuck out of here, dude. Especially back we in the eighties. Yeah, here, bastard. Especially back in the eighties, he's wearing like that turtleneck and that weird sweater vest, horse shit. I was just like, yeah. "What the fuck?" Yeah, is that, this that was years with... before Steve Jobs pulled that shit off. Yeah. That wouldn't have worked. 
do you think they knew that he was like a visitor though, a tourist, and that's hell how they, yeah. That's yeah, but that's how they make their money is off a of fucking tourist. There's plenty of other tourists that were buying for drinks. Kick that guy the fuck <laughs> out. By the way, this is a bit of trivia. I don't think I included in there that place that they had their drinks at, that little casino that they filmed that at. That place burned down like a year after they filmed that movie. Oh. It's because Camp Crystal Lake is cursed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's because they just got tired of seeing the turtlenecks being oh. worn there and they burned it down. <laughs> I um, almost want to dress up as Halloween as one of those guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can like put like a, a cosmetic axe to my head. Wait, one of the guys yeah. that got their head cut into or a guy wearing a turtleneck? Cause... Turtleneck sweater vest. And uh, I can wear a turtleneck and take a sweater and put it around my shoulders and you can just like do a cosmetic axe in my head. That's that's pretty. That's good, a hilarious good, uh, idea. I think. You never dress up with me for Halloween, so the one time you do want our wedding anniversary, so the one time you do want to dress up, you want to look like that. I'm my own person. I do what I want. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't realize this was a one person only w- <laughs> marriage. Do I ever tell you what you can fucking wear for Halloween? You never dress up with me, whether it be horse or whatever <laughs> stupid costume you're putting on. Okay, it's the only night a week or only time of year he gets a trick and a treat. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Uh, best side character. I know it's going to be Muffin for you. <laughs> it's so Muffin. That's, uh, God. Um, my favorite side character is Mama Voorhees cut off. Head. <laughs> uh, she, <laughs> that's a good side character. That's, that's a good it side does character. Work in the movie. Yeah, it does, and I mean, it really does. Like she brings out the most in people. I don't want to say the best, but the most no. for sure. My favorite side character is a dude, the, the jokester that plays the prank, the prank right out the get go, and just jokes around through the movie. That prank was the best. <laughs> that set the tone. Like that is an amazing side character. <laughs> yeah. Of all the That's pranks you can pull, I'll yeah. Give you that. And now, are you talking about is that is that Ted? You're talking about the guy who stayed drinking at the bar and lived. No, no, is no. That the guy you're talking about the, the goofy, nerdy, uh, skinny dude, but he was like joking around the whole time. Yeah, yeah, that's him. That's okay, t- yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, dumbest moment in the movie that God Marcy standing oh, there yes. like that is fucking slow motion. Like oh my Jason's God. walking her like he's frozen in time with a knife and she just screams, yeah. staring at him. It was like watching <laughs> Austin Powers when the when the a roller was coming at him at that character. He's it's like, like no, get out of the way, boo! No, <laughs> she's standing there with her hands up, which uh, unfortunately is. Uh, a defense for a lot of actual real life, you know, kills where women, you could tell some of she the defense gonna, wounds were grab the knife. knives in the hand yeah. or stabs through the hand. So, I mean, well, you but, can survive a stab through the hand versus one through the chest. So. Yeah. So, bitch, <laughs> run. She took that training class right before she came, kicked the guy in the nuts and then grabbed his knife. And she's like, I got this. Yeah. Break the wrist and walk away. Oh, that well, was funny. That's, uh, <laughs> Any any other dumb moments in the movie? That's the one that stood out to me the most. The girl I taking like for the girl that was going to give that dude that action, and she went back to change. Oh yeah, that yeah. that was because she took forever. To it's like that. Like, this forever. dude's in a wheelchair. He doesn't give a shit what you're yeah. wearing. Just touch him. Your pussy could smell. He's all good. Like yeah. just, just like, he's like fuck, man. This is the first action thrown my way in a minute or ever. Yeah, jump onto my lap. I'll give you a ride to your cabin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think as far as the survivability in the movie, I feel like they the, nobody was really, I mean, outside that scene with her, I feel like everybody else was, I mean, they did the best they could in the moment. Like, I didn't really feel like anybody was too overly stupid, you know. 
Mm, um, I mean, it's questionable. <laughs> you know who's the smartest one in that movie, which is why she probably avoided the kills, was Muffin. Muffin got the fuck out of Dodge. No, well, I, I would say Ted because he he just drank at the That's bar true. and like he survived. That's I mean, true. But I mean, truly, he's truly the pinnacle of what what we should all achieve in life. I mean, can you imagine him <laughs> heading back to that oh, massacre? Of fucking son hammered? of a bitch! Where the fuck is everybody at? What? He, he's get, he's suffering from a hangover from hell. He gets back to the place. Everybody's fucking. They're being rolled out on gurneys, like you know, <laughs> to the morgue, and it's just like, what the fuck. <laughs> He was, then, just, he was just like, whoo, that was close. And Muffin's just at his ankles crying and whimpering for some That's where Muffin went. He took, yeah. he took Muffin, and now they're living happily somewhere. 